Ladies and gentlemen, Harry Hill and the Family Hill. Thank you. And welcome to my fruit corner. Welcome to my world. Leave your cares behind. Welcome to my world. I built with you in mind. And tonight the fruit corner is not being sponsored by Alan. Ian's bracelets of Harpenden, Harry. <laughs> Ian's bracelets of Harpenton are not sponsoring us, indeed. Although they do do some lovely bracelets down there. <laughs> what a show we've got for you tonight with the help of my brother, Alan. Hello. My adopted son, Alan. <laughs> and assorted family members. Mum has lost almost a stone in weight this week just by, just by taking her makeup off. <laughs> well, I should point out that my adopted son, Alan, who is only eight, has recently been adopted as the capital city of New Zealand. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you what, Alan, I'm against the Channel Tunnel. I really am, because I tell you, when both ends are open, there's going to be a hell of a draft through Kent. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, I went into a restaurant the other night, and the starter was a pint of prawns. And the thing is, you have one pint, you know, you, you fancy another, don't you? <laughs> Ten pints of prawns later. Stopped by police on the way home. Excuse me, sir, would you mind blowing into this net? <laughs> now... I should point out that the imp boy, little tiny imp boy, Alan Hill, only seven, is only able to communicate by the extraordinary method of tapping. Little goose tip, tip, tip. That's one tap for yes. Tip, tip, tip. Two taps for no. Tip, tip, tip. And a hot Latin beat for no way, man, never in a million years. All right, son, that's ease. I told you, Harry, you shouldn't let him sleep on the end of the bed. You'll spoil him. If I leave him downstairs, he scratches up the furniture. That's when you should smack him on the legs like I used to do with you two. Actually, Mum, um, you know when you used to smack me and Alan on the legs when we were kids? Yes. Mm, it, it never used to hurt, did it, Alan? No, no, it didn't. <laughs> we just used to pretend it did, didn't we, Harry? Yeah, we did. <laughs> you know you used to make us uh, Angel Delight because you thought we liked it? We never did, did we, Alan? No. No, we used to flush it down the loo when yeah. you weren't looking. Yeah. And we used to smoke when you went down the shops. Yeah, and have ladies back. Oh! 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 Ow! You ow. naughty boys! Oh, sorry, Mum. Oh, that hurt. Didn't really. No, never. <laughs> Let's ask the Cliff Ranger singers. Let's ask the Cliff Ranger singers for this week's theme. Lords and Lords and ladies, and we'll be meeting some of the members of that much-revered upper echelon of society a little bit later on. But first, we meet the one, the only, the one and only, yes, she's 82, Nana Hill. Nana's here. Nana's here. Alan, Alan, do you want to give Nana a big kiss? Yeah. All right. All right, all right, Nana, put him down, at ease, woman. Have to slap you. It doesn't hurt, Mum. She does seem to have a powerful kissing ability, Alan. How is that? Well, with the aid of a special suction booster on her back, Nana has a special power-assisted kiss that is able to suck the firewater from a Comanche stomach. Hmm. Is that uh, is that possible, Alan? Yes, Harry. It is. Hmm. Well, 
come in, Nana. Now, as you know, each week, Nana Hill test drives a different vehicle. And um, which is it this week, Nan? I am test driving one of Terry Nation's Daleks. I see, yes. <laughs> I see, yes, the powerful Gold King Dalek. Oops, don't swing around quite so quickly. Um, <laughs> how does... How does she handle, Nan? A very smooth ride, Harry, although visibility is severely limited. Right, Nana, take your top off. No, no, I mean the... The the top of the Dalek, love. All right, sure. Because it's time for you to tell us of your memories of a bygone age. 82 years upon the earth, Nana Hill, what have been your magic moments? My 82 years have just flown by. Moments I must share. But sometimes I wonder, was it really me? Inside Rainbow's Bungle the Bear? (laughs) Humphrey the Hippo had an active mind. Zippy was quite a young Turk. But I'm afraid I had Geoffrey arrested for sexual harassment at work. Time for our first guest. Which is it to be, Lord or Lady? Well, this time we give a welcome in the manor that she has become accustomed to as we welcome Lady Stevens, who calls herself the Lady of the Cats. She's from Epsom, you see. She's from Epsom. (laughs) Hello, Lady Stevens. Meow. Now, You call yourself Cat Lady or Lady of the Cats. That's right, I believe, and I can prove that I'm a cat. I see. I understand you've gone to the extent of having your name changed. That's right, to Cat. Cat Stevens. Yes. I see. Now, tell me, Cat Stevens, um, what makes you... What makes you think you are a cat? Well, I've got fleas. Can't argue with you there. <laughs> I've got fleas. I like to use a litter tray and once had a hairball removed from my stomach. Mm, and uh, have you got the hairball with you? No, I sold it recently to an elderly lady as a mock bun. Now, <laughs> now forgive me, Lady Stevens, but the mere fact of the fleas, the fondness of using a litter tray and removal of hairball is not enough, really, to convince me that you are indeed a cat. I always land on my feet. Ah, well, that might be a bit more convincing. I can do that for you if you like. Shall I get the winch, Harry? I think you'd better. Yes. Lady Kitty Cat Stevens there, who later on will be proving to us that she is a cat. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome him now, Pat, the singing earthworm. Oh, little snowbird, take me with you when you go. Shame, shame. Pat the singing earthworm there, bless him. Now, I tell you, I feel very embarrassed buying condoms from the chemist, I do. Uh, basically, because I've got no need for them. Now is the customary time on the fruit corner where Brother Alan is required to profile one of his specialist traps. And what trap are you profiling this week, Alan? This week, Harry, it's the turn of the poverty trap. I'm sure if you're anything like me, you have a lot of trouble with people coming up to you and asking you for money. And so what I recommend is the simple poverty trap. Now, you find a place to stand on a busy street corner or by a tube station and dig a narrow pit in front of you. Right, yes. Now, inside Mm -hmm. the pit, place a series of sharpened sticks tipped with the deadly poison chicken. Chicken? (laughs) Yes, Harry. Although a tasty snack taken by mouth, chicken becomes a powerful toxin when injected into the body. Mm. (laughs) Hmm. 
How do you attract your prey? Well, by simply dressing in an opulent fashion, Harry. You know, brown corduroy shirt, moustache, shoulder bag, that sort of thing. (laughs) Cover the pit with brushwood and wait for your quarry to approach you for money. They lean towards you and... Hey, presto, tumble into your very own poverty trap. Um... Just a minute there, Alan. I've got to pick you up on this one because I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be a little uneasy. Um, surely, when people talk of the poverty trap, they mean the metaphorical trap of not having the financial means to better their situation, thus constantly on a downward social spiral into greater debt and worse conditions. Yes, but I, I prefer this one. Fair enough. <laughs> Very well done. Well, as you know, little Alan here isn't my real son. No, he's adopted, and I'm actually unable to manufacture children myself. Mm. Uh, actually, with my sister's baby, there was a mix-up, you know, at the hospital, a baby swap thing, and she ended up going home with a small, bald man called Danny. <laughs> and the real baby is now running a judo club in Walthamstow. <laughs> so I adopted little Alan here, and I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the day that, like any father of an adopted, that little Alan here asks me to tell him about his real parents. How do you deal with that scenario? We're going to do a little role-play now um, with brother Alan here playing an imaginary adopted son eager to know who his real parents are, and me playing the father in a difficult position. Hello, son. Hello, Dad. You look inquisitive, son. Something on your mind. Well, (laughs) now you come to mention it, yes, there is. Yes, son. Dad. Yes, son. Who were my real parents? Oh, look, Alan, what's that over there? What? Dad, where have you gone? (laughs) Yes, simply distract the child and run off. She's up there, she's deadly, she's ready, as Lady Kitty Cat Stevens answers the question, does she always land on her feet? I always do! Here goes! She seems to have landed on her back, Harry. Oh. (laughs) Shame there for Lady Stevens, who clearly isn't, nor never was, a cat. I fall asleep on the cars! I don't care, isn't it? (laughs) Isn't it annoying, though? Isn't it annoying? As soon as you get on the phone, the bar starts running. Isn't that annoying? (laughs) Let's give him one more try. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back, he's bruised. It's Pat, the singing earthworm. Why do birds suddenly appear? (laughs) Pat, the singing earthworm there. Now, thank you. Hey, tell you what, here's a little tip for you. Um, uh, when you're babysitting for your sister and the baby won't take the bottle, right, it's crying away, what you do is I bought a pair of those false breasts. Right? Put the false breasts on, you bring the baby up, right, seize the false breasts, seize the joke, starts laughing. <laughs> well, we ask the question now, does or does not Her Majesty the Queen work very hard? Difficult question, this one, Alan. Up until recently, yes. Until this document came to light, Harry. And what's that? We at the Fruit Corner, not sponsored by Ian's bracelets of Harpenden... Lovely bracelets, though. ...have come into possession of the Queen's (laughs) Royal Timetable. The Timetable Royale? Yes. Our researchers found it pasted into the back of the Queen's diary. You know, she has uh, the special Let's Queen diary, and it shows Monday morning... Oh, yeah. Monday morning, double physics. (laughs) Nasty. Yeah, but much... Nasty. Yeah, I know, but much of the rest of the Queen's week is taken up with PSs, or private study periods. Hmm. Now... In theory, these are a chance for the Queen to study on a topic on her own, but as we know in practice, these are too often an excuse just to mess about and talk. Yeah. 
you know, with a morning break of half an hour, a lunch break of two hours, and the whole afternoon off for games, I think we can safely say that no, the Queen does not work very hard. Mm. <laughs> Mind you, double physics on a Monday morning, eh? Oh, <laughs> now, it was 60 years ago today that the first anniversary of the first anniversary of the invention of television took place in the tiny British colony of Scotland. And it was in that first week of programmes that John Logie Baird broadcast the very first episode of The Sweeney. And <laughs> we've got a tape of that coming up now. I see Carter! Yes, Jack Regan? I think we'd better get the motor. Aye, the motor. We'll be requiring the shooters. Aye, Jack Regan. The shooters, Mr. Carter. You know, you know, Jack, I could be so good for you. I know, Carter, you're unstoppable. Love you like you want me to. There's nothing I won't go through. You'd be so good for me. The first episode of The Sweeney there. Well, in fact, you know, most murders are committed by people known to the victim. So to avoid murder, do what I do. Always hang around with people you don't know. Please give a treasonable good welcome to grandson of the notorious World War II traitor, Lord Haw Haw. Yes, Lord Hee Hee. Welcome, Lord Hee Hee. So your grandfather was Lord Haw Haw, the German propagandist. Yes, we changed the name to try and get away from our past. Uh, may I just say right away that I'm deeply ashamed of what my grandfather did, and may I take the opportunity now to apologise on behalf of the Haw Haw family to the British people. Mm. Oh. We really don't know what got into him. I mean, he was as nice as pie the rest of the time, but, you know, yeah. as soon as he got on the old tranny, he'd be off. Mm. You're a bingo caller, aren't you? That's right. I try to scrape a living calling the bingo. And you're going to do a bit of that for us? Absolutely. Jolly good. Well, pass the cards out there to um, Tony, Mum, Alan. Yeah. Right. Thanks a lot. Off we go, then. Um, Eyes down and off we go. Two Fat Ladies, 88. Number 9, The Brighton Line. On its own, number 1. 5 is dawning. Germany calling. <laughs> Give up the war, 44. Right, Adults, great, 28. Right. National Socialism is the only way forward, 3. Haw, haw, haw. Thank you. Thank you. Lord Hee Hee there. Now it's time for Tony Hill's travel guide. Tony, uh, Tony what are you going to... Um... I'm profiling the country of New Zealand. <laughs> New Zealand is situated down under on the other side of the world, which is why everything is upside down there. New Zealanders, or Aussies as they are called, <laughs> are derived largely from convicts sent there from Great Britain. From the capital, Allen Hill, to the fantastic landmark, Pamir's Rock, <laughs> you'll find that you won't give a Foster's can of lager for anything less than New Zealand. Um, Tony, just, just how many of those knowledge tablets have you been taking? Oh, I'm hungry for knowledge, Harry. The problem with those cheap knowledge tablets, Harry, is that they've been cut with stupidity to make up the weight. Oh. <laughs> 
Uh, and thanks to Tony anyway for that very thorough look at the topsy-turvy world of New Zealand. You know, there's any machines around these days that actually tell you whether it's safe to have another drink or not. Cash point machines, I think they're called. <laughs> Time now for our regular probably not spot. Probably not. Hill. This week's entry comes from Jane Chipchase of Fulham, who writes regarding the singer Barry Manilow. I am sure I am not alone, writes Jane, in noticing that the singer Barry Manilow has a nose out of all proportion to the rest of his body. Could it be, she goes on, that this is not a nose at all, but a giant seed pod? Obviously this would mean that Barry reproduces by digging his nose into soft earth thus disappointing thousands of his female fans. <laughs> well, facial seed pod on Barry Manilow, the answer to that must surely be... Probably not. Probably not indeed, but if you're watching Barry, do, do give us a call. Now, <laughs> Mum, what have you... Is that a mink coat you're wearing? Yes, Harry, a beauty, isn't it? Mum, I'm surprised at you. You know it takes hundreds of dumb animals to make a mink coat, but only one dumb animal to wear it. That's not true, Harry. Mink are, in fact, highly intelligent. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Besides, Harry, take a closer look. Gadzooks, live minks. <laughs> That's right, a coat without cruelty. A business line I'm working on. You didn't tell me you were working on the new business line of a live mink coat business, Janet. I can't tell you everything, Tony. <laughs> what I've done, Harry, in modern Japanese-style industrial relations, is to enter into an agreement with the minks. I've fashioned a rough gauze framework of a coat on which I have pinned cheese balls. <laughs> the minks spend most of their time in the house lolling around, playing, reading, and some are studying with the Open University, actually. Well, I let them have their fun on the understanding that when I wish to go out, they all jump up onto the gauze framework, thus forming a live mink coat. Here, I'll show you. Minks, dismount! Good Lord. And wait for it. Up! Man alive. Man alive, what... What if, whilst you wear the mink coat, they move? Well, then obviously I have to kill them with a karate chop. <laughs> Are there any drawbacks you can see with this new live mink coat system formula? There is one. Mm -hmm. Here, try this other live mink coat on. Mm, it's, uh, mm. <laughs> it's warm, isn't it? Warm-blooded, Harry. Now, just walk towards me in the coat. I see. Mm. <laughs> I see. Oh. see the, one, the one mink coat attacks the other. Yes, Harry. Now, my coat is made up from the minkettes, a gang of minks from Essex. Uh, yours, however, is formed from a gang calling themselves Hell's Minks, <laughs> who are the minkettes' arch rivals. Thus, whenever these two coats meet, a fight ensues. Oh, a coat fight. A coat fight, yes. Mm. How do you deal with a coat fight? There is only one way, Harry. Reduce the size of the cheese balls, cut mm. the heads off all the minks, place them on spikes and parade them through the mink village. <laughs> Mum, thank you. I'd recognise the sound anywhere. That sound is the sound of King Dalek, Nana Hill. I like the new monkey skin muffler. <laughs> Yes, I bought it off your mother. And the hairball bun off Lady Stevens. Very nice. 
What brings you to these parts? I have committed the perfect crime, Harry. A crime so daring that you will not believe it possible. And that I might have got away with it. Never, you will say. Oh, get on with it, you silly mare. Harry! Oh, oh Mum, that hurt. Didn't really. <laughs> what was your perfect crime, Nana? I committed murder, Harry. Murder, do you hear me? Murder! There's going to be another murder in a minute. To take a life in this world, Harry carries the harshest penalty that monkey can buy. <laughs> <laughs> Yet, I, Nana Hill, callously and with malice aforethought, killed or exterminated, as we Daleks say, mm -hmm. two bees that were sitting on my windowsill. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and to top it all, I got away scot-free. How do you know you weren't seen? Simple. I was wearing a tight-fitting latex mask that belonged to Galon from the Planet of the Apes series. <laughs> Thank you, Nana. <laughs> oh, you seem to have run over Lady Stevens there, who, like, uh, who, like some cats, likes to sleep under cars. But unfortunately, doesn't share the cat's speed and agility for moving away from cars as they move off. Time for another Lord or Lady. We welcome Lord and Lady Mark. Lord and Lady Muck. Lord and Lady Muck, welcome. Hello. Hello now. Now, Muck, Muck. That's a very unfortunate surname. Any, any idea how the family may have come to have that? Haven't the foggiest. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, beg pardon. Oh, Lord and Lady... Oh, <laughs> oh please, somebody... <laughs> oh, somebody opened a window, for Christ's sake. Now... Oh, hello? Hello, it's the Queen here. Well, I never... It's... It's the Queen. Big fan, by the way. Please, Majesty. Now, what can I do for you? About this business of me not working very hard. I work very hard. Sometimes I get sweaty with the work. Don't I, Philip? Yes. <laughs> I have a hell of a job getting the sweat patches out of the royal garments. All right, Your Majesty. Thank you. Well, I'm only human, you know. Yes, well, you must admit there are very many private study periods on the timetable there. <laughs> what about double maths last thing Friday afternoon? Hey. Oh, yes, I noticed that. Double mass, last thing Friday. Nasty. Oh, nasty. <laughs> Sorry about that, Queen. <laughs> anyway, must go. Got a maths test in the morning. I haven't done a stroke of work. The Queen there, who does, in fact, work extremely hard. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Yes, he's back. The bruised, the battered, the half-eaten, Pat, the singing worm. <laughs> Love lifts us up where we belong Where the eagle cries Yes. Pat, the singing deceased worm there. And that is the sound that tells us it's time for our special celebrity lord, Alan. Who is this week's celebrity lord? Harry, we give a time and relative dimension in space welcome to the Lord of Time himself, John Pertwee! Lord, Lord Pertwee, welcome. Pleasure to be here, Harry. I'm a big fan. <laughs> That's all right, John, at ease, at ease. <laughs> exterminate, exterminate. 
It's my arch enemy, Davros. Um, it's it's not actually Davros, John. It's uh, it's half grandmother, half Dalek, Nana Hill. Davros was never as frightening as Nana, John. Nana Hill, get your lips off John Pertwee. Sorry, John. Sorry. Sorry. About That's that. quite all right, Harry. Mm. Do you know I haven't come across such a powerful kiss since I had a smack her from a sea devil? <laughs> exterminate! Exterminate! Nana, Mum, would you please get Nana us. off? Please. Look, perhaps if I was to sing Nana a Venusian lullaby, that might help to calm her down a bit. Well, if you think it might help, John. Yes. <laughs> Let me try. Yes. Clokeed up off a menin clutch. Harun, Harun, Harun. <laughs> so plead off a dolly batch. Harun, Harun, Harun. Seems to work. It certainly worked on my old enemy, Agador. Now, if you don't mind, we've got a few questions um, for you. You mm -hmm. know how the TARDIS appears to be bigger on the inside than it is on the outside? Yes. Um, what's the community charge like on that, then? <laughs> well, to be perfectly honest, Harry, I don't register for community charge. There are over 4,000 rooms, but no toilet. Oh. <laughs> As a single man, you are entitled to a 25% reduction, you know. Yeah. You better be careful, John, or it'll be Doctor Who and the Battle of the Bailiffs. <laughs> oh, yes. Now, as... As Doctor Who, of course, you met up with some really terrifying monsters. And you, you may not know this, but it's always been my dad, Tony Hill's, ambition to play your most sworn enemy, the Master. Ah, the Master, yes. So we were wondering if you wouldn't mind joining in a little excerpt of Doctor Who versus the evil Master, Tony Hill. Well, not at all. Matter of fact, I do have an old score to settle with the Master. Right, I'll play the Brigadier. Mum, mm -hmm. you play Sarah Jane Smith. Oh, lovely, Harry. Alan, you're a sea devil. Okay. Right, then off we go with Doctor Who versus the evil master, Tony Hill. Doctor, where are we? Oh, danged if I know. I'm, I'm so sorry, Harry. Wrong voice. <laughs> well, Sarah, we seem to have landed in a seaside hideaway. Ah, oh, Doctor, there you are. What do you want, Brigadier? Oh, nothing. I just wanted to say, ah, oh, Doctor, there you are. Look out, Doctor! Welcome to Great Yarmouth, Doctor. Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha! <laughs> Tony Hill, the evil master. Yes, it is I, Tony Hill. And with my sea devils working all the great British seaside resorts on the coast of Britain, I will control the entire British tourist trade. Sea devils, seize them! Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha! <laughs> uh, actually, master, uh, me and the other sea devils are not exactly happy with your plan. That's right. <laughs> and, and why not? Well, have you seen the state of the British coastline recently? It's disgusting. We're not swimming in that. Ah, oh, Doctor, there you are. Quiet, Brigadier. <laughs> I must beat my arch enemy, the Doctor. How about a game of cards, Doctor? <laughs> oh, I'm up for that, if you are. Might save a lot of time, Doctor. Go on, then. Pennies in the middle, I'll deal. Ladies and gentlemen, John Pertwee! 
John? Jo uh, that trap, Alan? Yes? Uh, had you loaded the spikes? Um... <laughs> and it's goodbye from the fruit corner! That was Harry Hill's Fruit Corner, written by and starring Harry Hill. With Ed Madore, Al Murray, Sue Drouet, Phil Nice, Brenda Gilhooley, Matt Bradstock and Martin Hyder with special guest star John Pertwee. Music was by Cliff Ranger and the producer was Joe Magnuson. <laughs> <laughs>